Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Thrive Business Podcast. My name is Gene Martz. Thank you so much for joining us today. I've got Matt Egan with me. He is an award-winning reporter and journalist for CNN. Matt, thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for uh, for speaking with me today. Gene, thank you for uh, for having me and for taking the time. Yeah, you know, as I as I was saying to you before we even started recording, you know, we, we have this little bit of overlap. You know, I mean, my day job is, you know, as an accountant and, a uh, you know, and a, as a business owner, but... I, I do a lot of writing. I write for the Guardian. I write for the Philly Inquirer. I write for the Hill, and I cover issues with you know about small and mid-sized businesses, and, and that's why I've been anxious to talk to you for a while as well because you've been you've been with CNN for a while. You're a business reporter. You are covering the issues that uh, our listeners and our viewers are you know are facing right now, and um, so I actually just wanted to throw out to you some some stuff for you to talk about and just give your insights and your your thoughts on if that if that sounds okay with you. Yeah, Gene, that sounds great. So we're here right now at the end of November. We're heading into you know the holiday season. Um, let me get your take on the holidays. Do you think this will be a, a strong holiday season or not? So I think it's going to be a slowdown, but also a strong holiday season, right? Because last holiday season was just like spectacular. Right. And that was not sustainable. Um, people are feeling inflation and their paychecks are getting squeezed. And so... There's going to be a slowdown. I also think people are worried about the economy. Um, and so they may not spend quite as much. You even have uh, Jeff Bezos out there telling people, uh, you know, maybe you don't want to buy uh, big ticket items, but you don't want to spend a lot of money on a TV. He said that to one of my colleagues at CNN. And so um, <laughs> I do think that there's going to be a little bit more caution, but you're still going to probably see pretty sharp increases in spending, which is obviously good news for a lot of the businesses out there. Yeah. Why do you, I mean, first of all, I, I, I do agree with you. I, I'm, I'm concerned only because some of the, some of the big box retailers like Target and Home Depot are a little gloomy. Uh, FedEx and UPS are also not super bullish. Nobody's predicting a catastrophe or anything like that. I think it's consistent with what you're saying, but you know, why do you think in light of, you know, inflation, higher interest right now, this, you know, pending economic, you know, slowdown, what, why do you, why do you think people are still out there spending? Well, I think it's in the nature of, you know, U.S. consumers. Yeah. Um, U.S. consumer spending is like two thirds of the economy. Yeah. And so, you know, almost without fail, people tend to spend money. Uh, they want to go out there and shop. It's just a consumption-driven economy. I, I think that that's the way it works. I think that what's changing maybe is how aggressively they're going to spend, which is probably not the worst thing, right? I mean, if people are feeling a little strapped, then that's probably a good thing that they're not going to go out on a limb and spend more than they, they should. Um, but one of the other concerning things is how people are going to spend. Mm -hmm. And the National Retail Federation has some projections out where they think that more people are going to be tapping into savings uh, to cover their uh, holiday shopping, which is not great because that's not sustainable. Right. Um, and also more people are going to be leaning on credit cards, yeah. which is also not great because, uh, you know, there's never a good time to carry a credit card balance. But this is arguably the worst time we've seen credit card rates hit all-time highs. Uh, store brand credit card rates are somewhere around 30%. And so uh, there is some risk there if the reason why people are continuing to spend and continuing to spend more 
if they're doing it because they're taking on credit card debt, that's that's not great. How about like, you talk about credit card debt, which uh, is definitely a big concern. Have you have you covered or written about um, you know BNPL, the buy now pay later trend as well? And um, that's it seems like more consumers are are taking advantage of that type of financing, which comes with some concerns. And I'm wondering what yeah, your thoughts yeah. are on that. It is one of those uh, you know, really fast-growing, relatively new technologies out there. It, it is um, an option that a lot of people are using uh, more and more, in part because it's pretty easy. People can quickly go out there and um, and, and do a buy now, pay later service. Um, I think there are some concerns out there. One, you know, because it is so easy, um, people may end up uh, sort of overcommitting. Yeah. Also. There's some limited visibility in terms of um, whether or not the credit card, the credit bureaus um, that evaluate the you know, ability for people to borrow, um, whether or not they're actually able to see the obligations that consumers have uh, with buy now, pay later. So if I go out there and I buy uh, you know, a TV and a microwave and I spend a whole bunch of money on uh, suits and I do that with buy now, pay later – it's not really clear that uh, the credit bureau actually can see that. And so they may approve me for a car loan, even though actually my cash flow suggests that I shouldn't be able to get that's You know, in, in all the sort of reading I've done of BNPL, that's actually the first time I have heard that point of view. And that makes complete sense. Um, you're right. I don't think it does get reported. Uh, the, the buy now, pay later, uh, you know, the platforms are being offered not only by you know, specific storefronts, but also the PayPal's of the world and the squares and the other. And you're right. They're not reporting that information necessarily to the credit bureaus. It's a really good point. That really is. And then the other issue as well is, you know, and again, we, well, this is a small business podcast, but I don't know, if you're a retailer and you're, you're selling to consumers, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just encouraging my clients to say, listen, you have got to make sure that consumers know what they're getting into, particularly their younger consumers, because there's some potential liabilities with these things if they don't if they don't pay off these transactions. Right, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those kind of short-term versus medium and long-term perspectives. I mean, the short-term, obviously, it's great if you're going to have another option for people to keep spending at your store right. and to have it be relatively easy and a new option. And it's not credit card debt, right? I mean, that is one of the best parts about it is it's not this 20 or 30% interest, um, you're, 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 you're able to spread out those payments and buy things uh, more flexibly than you would otherwise. But if in the medium term, it actually ends up being a big liability and causes more problems for people down the line, that's not great. You know, you're, it's, not, it's not good for your medium or longer term health as, as, as a store. Got it. Got it. Okay. So to recap, you're, we're going to the holiday season. You're expecting it to be, you know, a pretty strong holiday season, but not as strong as it was in the past, mainly because the past was pretty out of control strong. Um, we are also, um, you know, you're expecting that consumers are, are most likely going to be tapping either credit card debt or their savings. Neither of them are great options, but, um, yeah, the power of the consumer, particularly in this country, really, you know, it doesn't end. Let, let, let's pivot a little bit and talk a little bit about um, next year, particularly early 2023. So all of my clients, a lot of my readers, you know, everybody's wondering whether or not we're heading into a recession. Are we already in a recession? Um, I mean, this is what you cover. You know, so, Matt, what do you what do you see? Well, I think what's safe to say is that um, the economy faces an elevated risk of a recession. <laughs> Spoken and, like a true economist. <laughs> yeah. 
and so what, is, what does that mean? I mean, it means that um, it's a challenging time for the economy. And I think recession is a scary word, right? Yeah. I think sometimes people automatically flash back to 2008. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to remember that not all recessions are created equally. Um, there are those uh, historic recessions, like the Great Recession sure. that began in late 2007. Then there's the, the COVID recession in 2020, which was, uh, you know, just a complete collapse, but also this rapid rebound. But then there's also more um, sort of uh, mild recessions. And what's interesting is that some economists are saying, um, listen, we think there's going to be a recession, but it's not going to be a deep, deep recession where unemployment goes skyrocketing above, you know, 10 percent. Um, Fitch Ratings, for example, they put out a forecast saying that they think there's going to be a 1990s style recession, which is basically a mild recession. Right. Um, and there's some interesting parallels because the 1990 recession was um, caused in large part by um, the Federal Reserve trying to squash inflation right. and also by rising energy prices. Right. And so there are some parallels between um, then and now. But I, I do think we need to take some of these forecasts with the grain of salt because um, not first of all, not everyone is calling for a recession. Goldman Sachs thinks there's only a one in three chance of a recession. So that means the odds are favoring no recession in the next year in their perspective. Um, but no one really knows how this is going to play out. I mean, there are no playbooks for this. There's no model for what happens to an economy three years after a once in a century pandemic, after an inflation crisis with the most aggressive Fed, you know, we've seen in a long time, yep. and also in the middle of a war in Ukraine. Yep. No one really knows how this is going to play out. And you know what's really weird about uh, the conversation about recession now? Um, you're right, coming off a pandemic, uh, historic supply chain issues, which no economist had any idea like how that mean, you know, how to deal with that. Um, you know, and then also like we're in a recession where we've got almost historic levels, low levels of unemployment, you know, you know, and yet we're showing growth where, you know, you know, we, we've got an industry like the tech industry that's laying off tens of thousands of workers. And I mean, Matt, every one of my clients, I, I, I think a lot of people that are paychecks customers, people that are listening to this, they're looking for employees. You hear small businesses are like desperate, you know, for employees, it's just a weird, weird time to report on a recession. It It is really weird. Also, let's not forget the last recession began less than three years ago. So to even the fact that we're even debating this is yeah. very unusual. The last two economic expansions lasted about a decade each. Right. So if this one only lasted three years, that would be uh, very unusual and, and upsetting because um, in a recession, you would be talking about millions of people losing their jobs and also countless small businesses um, going under you know, foreclosures. Now, thankfully, we're really not seeing almost any of that with one exception. And you mentioned it, that, that being the tech sector. So we have seen a lot of layoffs in the tech sector um, through the first half of November alone, um, around 30,000 job cuts were announced. That's according to uh, outplacement firm Challenger Gray and Christmas. And for some context, that is more than twice the amount what was announced by the tech sector all year coming into November. So um, we are seeing that, you know, Amazon and um, Meta, uh, Lyft, um, a bunch of different companies, uh, Roku yep. uh, announcing job cuts. But I do think it's important to kind of put all that in context. I mean, these companies they hired really aggressively. They yeah. arguably have a little bit more room to cut when it comes to slimming down. They've also seen their stock prices really get crushed. 
um, in part because of higher interest rates. So they're responding to that. And um, you know, history shows that tech layoffs are not really a great indicator for layoffs economy wide. Tech companies could cut jobs and the rest of the economy could keep going. So um, I think the one concern, though, would be, Gene, if if um, you end up having a lot of business owners look and say, well, you know, I respect Amazon and I respect um Facebook and uh, they're cutting jobs. So I guess I should be, too, because then it kind of becomes, um, you know, a, a cascading effect. Yeah, it could be more of expectations. It's funny when I again, when I look at my clients and they they look at hiring I mean, right now, obviously, everybody's desperate. There's like almost 11 million unfilled jobs. You know, one of the silver linings in all this is that these tech companies are laying off people, good people, talented people that just they, they were overhired. Um, could be an opportunity for a lot of smaller companies to grab up some talent if they've got the wherewithal to pay for them. You know what I mean? So that is a th- silver lining. Absolutely. And, and that could be one reason why um, initial jobless claims, which are you know a proxy for firing, they remain historically <laughs> low. And it could be that even though a lot of tech companies are laying off workers, those workers in many cases are able to quickly find a job elsewhere because – um, there is this war for talent out there. And, you know, I, I talked to the um, the CEO of Carrier, the um, uh, manufacturing company, yeah. and, and, and he said, you know, listen, it has become noticeably easier to retain and attract talent recently, but it is still a historically uh, tight jobs market. And there is still this battle out there for competition. Right. So everything is relative. The job market could slow down a lot and it could still be really strong. Yeah, I agree. You know, we talked about uh, the tech industry and the challenges they were having. Um, what thoughts do you have on the sort of housing and construction as well? I mean, that's another industry that's really been struggling this year. Um, you know, I was in Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago speaking. I actually spoke at this event for like Oklahoma Realtors, which, by the way, half the room was like you know, women that seemed like they were out of the TV show Selling Sunset, you know, <laughs> and the other half of the room was like guys in cowboy hats. It was like a really interesting crowd. And um, they were hurting this year. I mean, your know, real estate you know, market in a lot of parts of the country have been they've been struggling. But you know, funnily enough, more than a few of them were like, you know, we had a great year in 2020 and 2021. So you know, we think we can weather it. But I'm kind of curious to hear what your thoughts are on housing and construction and what you're what you're reporting on. Well, uh, you know, COVID set off this just epic housing boom, right? I mean, you have to like think about the environment. I mean, we're talking about in, in some cases, you know, 20% year over year price gains, yeah. um, all cash offers, uh, intense bidding wars. Some people were buying homes without ever setting foot in them. So none of that really is normal, um, nor none of it is that sustainable. And all of it was at least in part enabled by uh, the easy money from the Federal Reserve. Uh, The fact that you could borrow for 30 years at uh, 3% or even less was pretty amazing. That was really driving, helping to drive demand, helping to support demand, and helping to support these price gains. So what's changed, of course, is that you can no longer borrow for 30 years at 3% or less. I mean, mortgage rates have gone up. Uh, they've more than doubled, uh, hit around 7% recently. Yeah. And that's yeah. just a huge deal. I mean, the higher they go, the less home people can afford. And so it does seem like things are slowing down pretty dramatically um, because you can no longer afford that same house. I mean, uh, it, it's just it changes the calculations 
wildly. Uh, people are, would be paying you know hundreds of dollars more per yeah. month. Uh, but at the same time, the supply of homes out there is not all that strong, right? We're still kind of dealing with a shortage of housing. Right. And there is still a lot of pent-up demand for homes. The question is, at what price? Um, and so it's easy to see how we could see you know, home prices continue to decelerate. In some case, cases, actually go down month over month. Um, but whether or not you know that goes into something much deeper uh, seems kind of unlikely because of the fact that there is just not that much of supply of homes out there, which is really different from the mid two thousands when there was just way too much homes. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I read today that um, somebody buying a home today um, with mortgage rates as they were, you know, the same buyer would pay the same mortgage for a house that was valued at around 400,000 versus a house that's valued at 600,000, you know, that makes a huge impact. And, and rates are only going to go up, right? I mean, as far as we know, the Fed Reserve is still planning on more interest rate increases, right? Right. That's right. The Fed is expected to continue to raise interest rates. Um, the market is betting another 50 basis points um, at the December meeting, yeah. but that this would actually be a slowdown because they were raising interest rates four times in a row at 75 basis points, right? We haven't seen anything like that since like the early 80s. Yeah. Um, but markets are anticipating the Fed is going to keep raising interest rates at least another one or two times early next year. And so that should support mortgage rates. Although uh, I think at some point the market is going to start to price in the end of this interest rate hiking cycle, or at least the pause. Uh, if the economy is not doing well, then markets may actually have to start pricing in rate cuts. So I don't know. No one really can say for sure how much higher mortgage rates are going to go. Okay. Um, but it's hard to see them coming down uh, to the very low levels that people uh, enjoyed in 2020 and 2021 anytime soon. See, that's right. I, I love talking to you about this because if you if I talk to a specific economist, the economist is going to be giving you you know, his model and what he expects and what he's, you know, his calculations are. Whereas when, when I speak to yourself, because you're a journalist, you're talking to many economists, you're talking to, so you're, you're basically reporting on what you're seeing out there. And I just think it gives our audience just a different, you know, just a different view and, and a more diverse view as to what they should expect. Hey, listen, okay, so we only have a few minutes left. Um, and I, I did want to get your thoughts, just a couple other quick issues. Let's talk a little bit about inflation. Okay. Inflation itself has, um, you know, has been trending down. Both the CPI and the producer price index came in a little bit lower um, over the past couple of months, which is great news. Um, I have to tell you, Matt, like when I, when, when I talk to my clients in various industries, um, that, you know, they're looking at the PPI at wholesale prices. They see that right now it's running at an annualized rate around 8%. I think it's like 7.7, 7.8%, something like that. But man, when, when I talk to them, they're like, you know, the PPI might say this, but like the core materials for my business, the cost of plywood, the cost of steel, the cost of natural gas, the cost of freight and transportation, way more than that 8%, you know, I mean, <laughs> And I was just kind of curious what your what your thoughts are where you see inflation going in 2023 and what you're you know what you're you know what the people that you're talking to what they're telling you. Well, I think you're hitting on a great point because um it really is all relative, yeah. right? So inflation might be slowing down, which is a relief, right? Because it can't get better until it stops getting worse, but at the same time, inflation level rates are just so much hotter than what would be considered uh, healthy sure. right now. Sure. In fact, at any other point in the last 20, 30, 40 years, 
this would be the high, yeah. right? It's only because the last 12 months have been so bad yeah. that this is a, a cool down. So, um, and a lot of it also depends on who you're talking to, what business is, because for example, um, in the PPI report showed that uh, ve- passenger vehicle prices have come down um, sharply. Right. It, it was the most, uh, the biggest decline in prices in, in years, which is a relief because uh, those prices were, you know, just painfully high. All the supply chain issues, the computer chip shortage. Um, but then at the same time, we're seeing food prices continue to go up very sharply. Uh, Thanksgiving meal prices are are, are very high, yeah. uh, you know, historically high. And so a lot of it really does depend. And there's going to be winners and losers. I mean, there's going to be some businesses that are dealing, that are experiencing pricing pressure relief for their input costs. And I think that that will be this, this big tailwind for those companies. And then others may not really be seeing any relief anytime soon. So I think that there is um, some frustration there uh, because even if inflation gets cut in half from the peak, it's still going to be painfully high for consumers and for businesses. And I think there's kind of a there, there's a, a bit of a race against time when it comes to inflation and when it comes down, because uh, the Fed is going to have to keep raising interest rates until they have confidence that inflation is going to be going back towards healthy levels. Um, and so if in the next few months, inflation proves to be hotter than expected, right? It's more stubborn than people anticipated. I mean, first of all, that would be a repeat of what, the last 12 months, sure. right? Because we're sure. hotter and, sure. and, and it's more stubborn than expected. But secondly, it would force the Fed to uh, say that they're going to keep raising interest yeah. rates, or at least that's what the Fed would likely do. And so that's where you get this recession concern, right? Um because at some point they're going to end up slamming the brakes on the economy so hard that consumers are going to have to actually cut spending. Um, and that's where you get the downturn. Yeah. I've, uh, again, I've, I've seen um, this past year has been a little odd because a lot of businesses, I mean, there, a lot of businesses during COVID were crushed. We know that, you know, the restaurants, retail, travel. I, I don't know if you were reporting on the same thing, but I had a lot of clients that did just, great during 2020 and 2021. A lot of B2B businesses, home contract. You and I should have been in the pool repair business. We would have been millionaires by now. Uh, you know, so there are a lot of different people that, that that did fine. Even in this year of higher inflation, this 8% on average inflation, you know, a lot of my clients were stepping up and raising, you know, raising compensation for their employees. They were keeping up with it. They were able to absorb it, you know. But like you just said, like, you know, if this continues on, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't know how much more businesses can can absorb and how much they can like another year of eight to ten percent inflation would be a big problem for a lot of companies. They would really have to start contracting and getting rid of people. And I think um, I think that's just a really important thing to keep in mind. So that brings me into just really sort of my last you know question, Matt. It's just you know as we're we're going into two thousand and twenty three, I'm curious to hear you know, what. What kinds of what, what kinds of stories do you think you'll be reporting on business stories, uh, particularly about small businesses that you think will be sort of the news that will be in 2023? What do you expect to happen without a crystal ball, of course? <laughs> well, I think that it's going to end up being um, a lot of these same themes. Um, what happens to energy prices, for yeah. example, uh, because that's obviously been a pain point. Yeah, we barely talked diesel. about that. You're absolutely right gasoline prices, um, natural gas. 
and, and I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty there about what's going to happen next. Um, OPEC has gone from cutting production to raising production and vice versa. And uh, the war in Ukraine, we don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, the G7 is is imposing um, new restrictions on Russian oil. Your, Europe is is trying to impose a, a ban on, on most Russian energy. So there, there's just a lot of uncertainty. And we don't really know, is that going to end up being um, one of the reasons why inflation doesn't come back down towards healthy levels? Or, or is that actually going to be a huge positive? And is that the reason why the Fed is able to pause on interest mm-hmm. rate increases? Because um, energy prices do calm mm-hmm. down. And, and this, I think the same thing with food. Um, both, you know, that, that food has been another really big pain point. People are feeling that at the grocery store, the restaurants, I mean, restaurants have this huge increase when it comes to input costs what, for, for food. Yep. Um, at some point, you would hope that that starts to ease and, and hopefully that is um, a tailwind for some of the businesses and, and, and families out there. Um, but again, if it's not, I think that's where you get into, um, you know, a, a, some, some more concerning scenarios for next year. But listen, I think that the economy has dealt with a lot of negative shocks in the last two and a half years. Yep. I mean, no one really saw COVID coming until it came. And then when it did, it was still way worse than people anticipated. Yep. Um a lot of people didn't see a, a you know a war in Europe uh, to the extent that that, that has, has happened um, until it was until basically it was happening. Um, people did not think the Fed was ever going to be moving as aggressively. People thought the Fed would be stuck at near zero for forever. So there's been all these negative shocks. Maybe we're finally due for a positive shock, right? <laughs> Maybe some of the recession doom and gloom will prove to be way too negative and perhaps this economy can just keep chugging along are you sure you're a journalist i mean this is like all glasses half full attitude here right (laughs) we're supposed to be selling based on bad news all the time (laughs) but it does sound like a you you sound like you have a a more positive outlook for 2023 than maybe in years past i hope that's what i'm taking away i I think so i mean I, i just think that sometimes the um Conventional wisdom is it, the pendulum swings too much in one direction or the right. other, right? I mean, early this year, we were reporting on how some economists were out there starting to warn about a recession in 2023 or 2024. Right. And at the time, people were really, really positive on this economy. And um, people thought that it would just keep going. And I think it's become much more... Um, common now to be worried about a recession. And I think that there is a risk of sort of making it seem inevitable when in fact it's not inevitable. Um, And there is still uh, a path, according to the Fed, according to a lot of the Wall Street economists, there's still a path to get a soft landing where they get inflation under control without causing a recession. The path has gotten narrower than it was. It's uh, probably uncomfortably narrow, but it, it could still happen and um, and for now, the economy is still adding jobs. Uh, the unemployment rate is still low. Jobless claims are still low despite these layoffs in the tech sector. And inflation is cooling off. So um, it, it, it's going to be a, a pretty consequential year, I think, 2023 for, for the economy, one way or another. Matt Egan is an award-winning journalist and reporter, covers business, the economy, financial markets for CNN. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining. Your insights are great. I know our, our listeners and our viewers um, are really, really um, 
really take a lot of your opinions and where you see the world going into consideration as they're trying to figure out where to spend their money and invest and hire. So it's just uh, your insights are really valuable. So thank you very much. Thank you, Gene. Thanks for all the great questions. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022, all rights reserved.